0: to cast.
1: Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 115 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon. Uh, Today's guest is a very, very interesting guest. His name is Charlie Bales IV, and uh, he is a fourth-generation family member and top executive running a nine-figure family-owned business. He is the business's VP of Human Resources and Internal Distribution. The business, and if you're somebody who lives in Florida, you've probably seen uh, these stores before, is ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. There's over 126 of them in Florida, and they have over 1,600 employees. Now, I usually don't read a lot of the family data, just to kind of keep things short, but I'm going to read this one because, uh, you know, Charlie's kind of my spirit animal here with a lot of these things. Um, he's a husband, a dad to three, an executive, an entrepreneur, a CrossFitter, a health nut. And this is the one where we really line up here, a lover of going to bed at 8 PM. Um, and he loves meeting new people, which is something I love too, because uh, my wife always says I've never met a stranger and that's pretty much true. But here's the important thing. In in his podcast, you're going to hear him talk about some of the secrets And the expertise and knowledge that he and his family have gained uh, over the years of running uh, what is essentially a liquor store. Now, they've taken it to a whole new level, and he'll talk about why and how and and how they changed the face of, quote, a liquor store uh, to be something more, something enjoyable. But these are things that you can do in your business. No matter how big or how small, you can really reinvent a space and do what Charlie and his family have done and really carve out your own niche in that industry. So as you can tell, I'm really a fan of this conversation, Uh, but I'm just going to go ahead, shut up, get out of the way. And I want you to hear straight from Charlie's mouth himself on how easy it is and how complicated it is at the same time to run businesses and really take care of your people. So with that, I'm done. Here's the interview with Charlie Bales. Well, hello listeners, and welcome to this episode of the Burden and Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon, and today's guest is Mr. Charlie Bales. Charlie, thanks for being with us today.
0: Thanks for having me, Earl. It's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really excited to have this conversation, you know, because uh, I get a lot of folks on here. I get generals, I get folks who work in, uh, the world of psychology and all that, but I, I don't know that I've had too many other, uh, family run businesses. And I'm very interested, uh, to hear from that perspective, your answer to that first question I ask everybody, which is what does the phrase burden of command mean to you?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good question. Um, And I I think that the word burden, um, I, I think it has a negative connotation to it. I feel like most people put a negative connotation to it and I actually don't. Um, I, I look at, I look at the burden of command as a responsibility and a privilege, um, that has been given to you to, to lead the team, to lead the effort, to lead others. And, um, You know, so when I, when I think about the burden of command that I have in a family business, I, I look at that as a, as an awesome opportunity to lead people, you know, to the best of my ability. And we have a massive company at ABC. We've got 1600 people and it's an honor and a privilege to lead, you know, that many people, um, and to be in in the commanding position that 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 our families have it's it's our it's our job to protect them um it's our job to give everything that we can to the people that that are giving themselves to us um so you know i i probably could answer the question in a shorter um, monologue but i i just i'm one of those that looks at burdens as as a positive opportunity and a responsibility to do the best you can for others, um, and to just lead responsibly.
1: Yeah, no, no need to shorten that. That was that was beautiful. I love that answer. And uh, you know, I, I talked about you a little bit in in the bio, and, and talked a little bit about uh, ABC there. But you all have been around what eighty was eighty four years.
0: Yeah, we're in year eighty five. Actually, we started nineteen thirty six. So I guess we're finally a senior citizen, right? <laughs> There you go.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that is just, that is a long legacy, especially for a family run business, because you just don't get that that much anymore with the way families, especially during that period of time, uh, have become, you know, more mobile and and kids are moving off going to college and ended up uh, staying in, you know, say uh, going from the East coast to the West coast, or, you know, they, they go from a family business, say, well, we'll say selling uh, spirits and, and wine and you know somebody wants to go be an architect or something instead. How have you all over that period of time really been able to kind of keep the family in the business?
0: Yeah. Um, constant change and adapting to the business environment and the times and um you know a, a lot of uh, foresight and future thinking and leading by the generations before me you know i'm i'm part of the fourth generation um and the third generation who's leading our company right now uh they're they're at the age where they're entering into the twilight years of their careers and then the fourth generation is in the very beginning um so how how they've been able to orchestrate um, some of that successes, they deserve a ton of credit. You know, it's just it's it's adapting to change and being okay with it. And I think that so many businesses are terrified of change. They're they they try to preserve tradition and and all the things that they've been doing. You know, this is the way we've been doing it for thirty years, so we're just going to keep doing it that way. And that is almost the exact opposite of what we've done at ABC. You know, twenty years ago we closed our last bar, you know, 30 years ago, we had a hundred bars attached to 200 corner liquor stores. Now we have 125, um, beautiful, massive 10,000 square foot stores where if you looked at the company progression from 1936 to 1954 to 1975 to 1990 to, t- to 2000 to 2021, the pictures you're going to see are almost of six or seven different companies. Um, so we've been able to adapt and change and we've been willing to adapt and change where most companies don't want to do that. They they try to preserve, they try to keep, they try to, you know, not allow the rules to change where we've just embraced it. And, um, you know, how, how has that been attractive for the generations uh, to come into the business there's there's a couple of family members that do not work in the business. Neither one of my sisters work in the business. I've got a lot of cousins that don't work in the business. So we've never really forced people to join the family business. Um, and and I think that that's, that's just a respect factor for the individuals in the family. Hey, you don't have to work in the family business if you don't want to. It's totally fine. But if you want to, then you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And we're going to ask that 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 you perform at a very high level and you lead by example, and um, that's been able to happen for multiple generations now.
1: Mm. Well, you said a lot there, and a lot I really kind of want to unpack there. So the first change, right? So you mentioned, I think you said that the company started in in 1936, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so that's three years, just three years after Prohibition. Now you talk about change and things that you can't control. I would imagine if you, you go back and you talk to your, your great-grandfather, grandfather, that had to been a big, scary thing to start. Hey, we're going to start selling alcohol just three years after alcohol became legal to sell again, not knowing whether it would be made illegal again at some women in the future, right?
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. And um, our founder, Jack Holloway, who's my great-grandfather, um... He was working uh, a different job. You know he was working uh, in a um, cigar bar, if you want to call it that, and told his boss, he's like, "Hey, this is this liquor stuff that's legal now. Why don't we sell it? Why don't we get into that business?" And his boss basically said he was crazy, and there's no way that would ever happen. So Jack, being a young entrepreneur, what did he do? He went and founded a company on his own, and now I'm standing here talking to you. 85 years later. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And, you know, you have to be willing to take risks. Um, and just, I think that part of accepting risk is accepting the fact that things are going to change and that's totally fine and cool. Just change with it and just be adaptable and be able to turn left when you need to turn left. And so many people are scared to do that. And we just, we, we've embraced it at ABC.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. That's a great story. And and it's the story of so many great uh, entrepreneurs is they have a great idea. Somebody tells them no, that'll never work. And then they just say, okay, fine. I'm going to show you that it can. And and they end up, you know, having success that they wouldn't have. Because, you know, imagine if that story went, the, the owner of that cigar bar or whatever said, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Where would you be right now, Right.
0: Yeah, who who knows? Probably working for someone else, right? <laughs> exactly.
1: And and so I want to touch on something else you said there, especially about the family that I think is key, because uh, you know, this is something that, that a lot of a lot of businesses in general, whether they're family owned or not, but that have family involved in them, is you you mentioned that respect and expectations. And so, you know, one of the big complaints that people have about family run businesses is, oh, well, you know, the kids, they just get to run roughshod. They do whatever they do. The the non-family employees are, are held to a higher standard, while the kids just get to sit around and slack
0: and blah, blah, blah.
1: It sounds like you all made a conscious effort to make sure that that's not the family culture in the business, right?
0: Absolutely. And um, that, that was instilled in, I, I, I should only speak for me, but we've got a lot of th- uh, fourth-generation Family members in the business, and I, I feel pretty comfortable speaking for them too, that it was instilled in us that it is an honor and a privilege to come to work for the family business if you would like to. And the day you show up, you will be the hardest working. You will, you know, do what you're asked. You are not bigger than the business itself. We are all here you know, to protect the asset of the business. And we work for our 1,600 team members that help and support the business every day and our 40 to 50-plus family members that depend on the business and our board members and, and everything. That's, that was instilled in us. Um, that was instilled in me very early. I mean, I'm 34 right now. I've been with the business for about 13 years, and I remember some of those conversations from over a decade ago. Um, and they, they still... Um, you know, drive behavior today that uh, our, our expectations, you know, the scenario you just described where the family gets to slack off, we're the exact opposite. I mean, the, the family is expected to work harder than anybody else, just because that's the way that it is. That's our culture. And I think we're very proud of that.
1: Well, yeah, you should be. I mean, that's, that's again, goes back to part of that burden of command, right? Is setting those examples, setting those expectations and, and doing what needs to be done, not just trying to say what needs to be done. So I like that I like that a lot um, Now you, you love business so much that uh, it's not just about ABC fine wine and spirits for you you have your own kind of uh, side hustle right
0: Yeah uh, I, I guess that's that's what I'll call it to be hip and trendy and cool right right <laughs>
1: got to be a side hustle.
0: Yeah, and I um that that just kind of spawned out of um just getting older and just living life and and as I got older, I found the girl of my dreams and got married to her. I don't know why she said yes, but she did. So I'm not turning back. There you go. Um, we have three beautiful children now, and um once you start having kids, your perspective on really everything just completely changes, and um. Our, uh, so once our firstborn, Vivian, she's our only girl. She's got two younger brothers now. Um, and Vivian's almost eight years old. Um, so once she was born, um, you start looking at responsibility and, and health in a completely different manner. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I've always been that entrepreneurial bug. And, um, once I saw an opportunity to create uh, a company out of, you know, scratching my own itch, which is trying to, just deliver health and happiness to my children and to my family. You know, outspawn this little supplement company that I have called CB Supplements, which is a terrible name, but um, that's what you get when you know you're up late at night looking for a Google listing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just name the company, oh, CB Supplements. Let's just go with it. And um, we sell collagen protein powder. And and you know, there's a there's a much longer story as to the why that was created, but the short version is that it was created because it's a pro it's a great product. My family takes it. It's been an instrumental piece of our health journey. Um, and I wouldn't have started the company had I not had kids myself. Um, because that's, that, that's the ultimate why, like I I love helping people. I love inspiring people. I want people to help themselves. But my like ultimate why is I just want to try to give health and happiness to my family. Which, which is my direct family, my wife and kids. And um, that's that's why I've got this side hustle.
1: Oh, I love that. And, and first of all, look, I just turned 43. So I don't want to hear you referring to 34 as older again, please. That just <laughs> puts things into too much of perspective there. But no, I, I love that. And, and I got to, I mean, I got to ask you, right? Because you talked about how many stores you have. You have 126 stores. Uh, Some,
0: somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah,
1: 1,600 employees. Um, that seems like an awful lot on your plate already. How do you balance the the kind of the family business and, and all of those responsibilities with uh, the passion and, and all the stuff that it takes to be your own entrepreneur?
0: A lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, and, and really, just to go back to your first question about the burden of command. Um, I, if I could scream from the mountaintops to executives and entrepreneurs and just, you know, bosses, like, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to know everything and do everything yourself. And it's okay to ask for help. There is no way that I could get. Everything done that I get done throughout my, you know, 24 hour day. I got the same amount of time as you and the next person. There's no way I could do what I do without the just awesome support staff that I have, ranging from people on my direct team, assistants. It's, it, I just, I've got awesome people all over me, um, that help, you know, accomplish all the things that we do. And there's, there, there would be no ABC without A team and without collaboration there would be no CB supplements without the six other partners that I have in the business you know there there would be no family without my wife like she is the ultimate you know partner and and person to help with all of this and of course there there would there would be I I would be late to everything without my assistant so you know there's so much help that I have to get everything done Um, and, I, if, if, if anybody can take that one message from this podcast, don't assume the burden of command all on yourself, ask for help and create an awesome team. Mm,
1: uh, And that is the critical part, right? It's not, it's not having a team is having the right teammates on the
0: team. That too, of course. And I mean, you, you understand this from your military background. This one soldier means nothing, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's the team That and especially the the, having the right components on that team that's ultimately going to drive success.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. I love that. So uh, now you mentioned forty to fifty family members depend on on the company, but just out of curiosity, like how many uh, how many family members are actually like working in the business right now?
0: Um, it's, it's, uh, so there's a couple of different positions, um, that, that someone, you know, a family member could be, uh, but just, you know, for the ease of question, I would say the day to day operations of the business, there's I think eight or nine of us. Um, and then from the oversight board positions, um, you know, just greater, uh, not, not in the day to day, but in more of the oversight of the business in general, that goes up into the low teens, if not every person, because every family member has a duty and an obligation um, to, the, to the business. Um, so just whether that, um, you know, whether the level of time commitment per each person is, is going to be different. But, you know, the short answer to your question, there are, I think, eight of us in the actual day-to-day um, and then the low teens, once you get into the, once you get into the board and the executive oversight.
1: Well, no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, uh, that's got to give uh, a lot of comfort having people that you know, and are so uh, comfortable with working so closely with you there. Um, so I do want to back up again to something you said, when you were kind of talking about the history of the business here, and you were talking about change and, and being able to adapt and, and move you, you'd mentioned the progression where uh, I think you said it was like 20 or 30 years ago. It was a couple hundred stores that were smaller and were attached to liquor or attached to bars. Well, that seems pretty smart, right? Because your clientele is built right in. So so what was the pivot there that, that, uh, that sprung up from that?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question and one that I, I can answer, but I wasn't the person in the room making that decision. You know, that was the... That was the second and third generation of, of our families um, coming together and trying to define, you know, what is it that we're trying to do with this business? We've got 100 corner liquor stores that are, call them, you know, 3,000 square feet, average size. Um, and, and they were liquor stores. They sold maybe 10 different uh, types of wine. So we're, we're talking a totally different experience. And attached to those liquor stores a bunch of bars. Um, so, you know, wine was becoming more popular. California was becoming a a more of a powerhouse that people started to know about that movement over to the East coast because Florida's where our stores are only in Florida and Florida's usually one of the laggards in terms of trends across the country. Um, so, you know, we just, we, we saw the movements coming, um, but also, most of our family members and uh, so many of our team members and executive leaders, like when you have bars that are open until four in the morning that have wet t-shirt contests, you can smoke inside of them, you sell lottery tickets. Is that really the business you want to be in? And, um, you know, my, my dad and had to go home and explain to his wife that that was our business and explain to his wife that he had now two daughters. That's our business. So, you know, I'm I'm probably putting words and thoughts into his mouth, uh, which I probably shouldn't do. But for the sake of what we're talking about, I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> uh, because, you know, that's that's how I look at it. Like I'm, I'm married. I've got two sisters that I love dearly. I've got a daughter. I work with so many people that I respect. And when I think of where we were in the past of ABC that we sold Hustler magazines and and we're open until, you know, the until the till the sun comes up. Um, I'm proud that we're not part of that anymore and, and we have created a business that services the consumer that is looking for, you know, a high-end wine where we didn't even sell that product 30 years ago. Now we're one of the world's best suppliers of high-end wine and spirits. Um, cause you know, I think that the booze industry in general can get a really negative, um, light shined on it, but when booze is done correctly and it's done responsively, it is an absolute craft. These brewers and distillers and winemakers all over the world, they are artists. They are making a beautiful product and it's very hard to actually make that product too. They are professionals at their craft and most of the time, the adult beverage is being consumed in a celebratory event a wedding even a funeral can be a celebration it's a celebration of life a graduation a birthday or just celebrating that it's tuesday night and you're with your spouse or your kids so that's really the business we wanted to go after we wanted to be a part of the good part of the alcohol business not the part of the business where people are out until one or two in the morning um, overindulging. Um so i think that that Again, I'm, answer- I'm answering my thought process for the third generation. Hopefully, that's accurate. Um, but I think that all of that probably went into their heads, and then they went into this ten-year journey of um, closing down the bars and redoing stores and finding better locations and opening up bigger and better stores. But also, you know, they're just they're looking for what are what do we want to be in ten or twenty years? What we we still want to be around? We still want to be relevant and. You know, try to think of a bar that's been in business for 30 years. Right. It's it's not a sustainable model. Um, and, and we wanted to create one. So we looked at more of a retail service environment that's a beautiful store. It's easy to shop in. It's got great selection, great people that work there. And it's clean and it's inviting and it's pretty. So, I you know, <laughs> I love that last piece there because, you know, I... I
1: I can't remember the last time I was in Florida. It's, it's been a long time, uh, and I wish that I had known that you all existed then, because looking at these stores, the the stores are amazing, like just looking at pictures online, uh, you all have you know beautiful properties, and uh, I'll tell you what. You said something there that was brilliant about uh, you know, the quality and the craftsmanship that goes into alcohol these days. You know, I grew up in Northeast Tennessee. So I've I've experienced the gambit. I've 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 drank moonshine straight from the still. Okay. I'm always gonna be a big fan of Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that much about wine. But when I was looking at y'all's list there, talking about craftsmanship. I see Lafroy, I see Ardbeg, I see these Islay, these real fine Scotch whiskies. Uh, in there, and I'm like, okay, this is a store that I could spend a lot of money in. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those things where I wish I was closer to Florida, but I'm glad I'm not because I'd be bankrupt <laughs> overnight, and you'd have all my money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, uh, it's it's a it's it's certainly a fun industry to be in. You know, it's a little different selling um, uh, craft scotch over a widget. You know, I feel bad for the guy who's got to sell widgets, but um, I'm I'm sure they enjoy it. And one of these days, I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to say that, and they're going to be like, "I sell widgets, and I love it." But it hasn't happened yet.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, and and getting back to what you said there, what I love again is, in, in your speculating a little bit, I'm I'm sure some of this is conversations you've had, but that that kind of the morality piece behind it. And again, I'm sure a lot of people before having this, hearing this conversation don't necessarily equate morality and alcohol, but I like the way you frame that is because what I heard it's about, especially as a family owned business, being a family owned business that you can be proud to be a family member of, right?
0: Absolutely. And, and there's, I think when, when, when people, when you say liquor store, people's immediate thought Is like a really small, rundown building with bars over the windows and all the expensive stuff behind the counter. Where when you come to Florida and you walk into one of our stores, you you walk in and I I I see it every day when I'm in our stores. Just the look of oh my god, this is a liquor store that I just walked into, and there's like smiling faces reading you, and they just want to teach you about the product like that. That's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change that image, and we've got a lot of really great partners in the in the supplier world um, that that are on the same mission to highlight the craftsmanship and the beauty of their product, and that the responsible um, con- uh, con- consuming of the product. Like, I, I I think that we're 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 doing a really good job of fighting that battle just to just to change people's perception that. When you say liquor store, what do you think of? Well, when I think of when I when I hear it now, I think of uh, one of our two-story, beautiful stores that offers a consumer eight thousand different products to choose from to figure out how they're going to properly celebrate whatever it is they're celebrating that occasion.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and again, you said something there that I think is kind of critical uh, for you know privately owned businesses or even public businesses is that that relationship with your. Uh, with your providers, because especially in this industry, again, I'm sure it's the same thing for wine. I'm not that, that's not my world. I'm a scotch guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. But these are family owned businesses in and of themselves. They're, they're folks who have been passing down these, uh, these special recipes for their scotch from son to, uh, you know, son to uh, grandson and all this good stuff through generations now, some that's starting to change a little bit because they're getting bought up by bigger companies nowadays. But but there's a lot of that family business aspect in what your uh, providers do too, right?
0: Absolutely. There's, uh, I mean, heck, one of the biggest ones is Bacardi. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Picardi family, it's it's a little diluted now because their family's just so big. But uh, there, it's there, there's so many brands that started off and are still. Family businesses. I mean, everybody can probably name the top 20 or 30 brands that when, when I say the word liquor or wine that we all think of, but most every other brand besides them, it's a sole proprietor. It's a husband and a wife combo. It's a, you know, two friends that own a vineyard. It's, it's very small, um, groups of people that most of them just happen to be family that are creating the wine and spirits that we sell today.
1: I love it, I love it. So kind of on those lines there, like if I were to ask you, um, if I were to ask you what what do you think the number one lesson a big privately owned company could learn from a family run organization like yours, what would that lesson be?
0: Plan for the long term and don't just try to hit quarterly numbers, which which is which is hard to do. I mean I understand it i've got I've got degrees. In business, I've studied it. I, I, I think we all look at the big companies, um, the, you know, the Fortune 500 public companies. That they're all, they're all that level of company for a reason. They're producing products at a profit that we all want. So, like, they, they all deserve some credit. However, what a lot of those big companies do that a that a private family owned company does better, or, or they just don't do, and we do it. It's long term thinking. It's thinking uh, how my, my dad and uncle in the third generation in 1990, what do we want to look like in 2000? What do we want to look like in 2010? Um, you know, what, what we're looking at right now, I think that time has slowed down um, big time. It's hard to look out five years or even 10 years because 10 years ago, we barely even knew what an iPhone was. So times just changed so much. Um, but to have like a real three year, plan and commitment and to be okay with a couple of down years to invest in the future of the business. That's just that that's not going to happen in in a publicly traded company that's only worried about quarterly earnings. Um, because you know something that, that we take very seriously at ABC is taking care of our team members and doing what's right for, for them. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that bigger companies don't do that. Um, because I, I've never really worked for one of those, so I can't speak for one of them. Um, but it's a whole lot easier to plan properly for the long-term success of your team and your team members and doing what's best for them and putting people over profits when you don't have to answer to Wall Street. And when you answer to a family and, a, and an outside board of business community leaders that have the people's best interest at heart um you know so i hope hopefully i even answered your question there
1: no you absolutely did and i think that is you know i think that is big because i mean just hearing your family story again it seems like that really has been the the kind of magic sauce if you will is is that long term uh that long term planning that looking forward and and making that pivot from working at a cigar bar to owning your own liquor store to, okay, now we're not going to be liquor stores anymore. We're going to be kind of like a, a luxury shopping experience. Um, cause I mean, again, looking at the pictures of your stores, that's exactly how I would describe it as a luxury shopping experience. They, they look like some really amazing stores. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, and I can only imagine, you know, with that long-term planning process that you all have, what it's going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years, uh, you're already there now, it seems like. So I, I can only imagine what you've got planned.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's especially now in this crazy time of just trying to figure out, you know, how, how can we best service the customer in this weird world that we're living in now with the pandemic and everything? We just we, We're trying to meet the customer where they want to be met. And if that's coming into our store, Fantastic. We're going to have a beautiful store. We're going to do everything we can to service you. And if that means just going onto our website and having it delivered to you in the state of Florida, great. We're going to do that too. Um, so we're just that that's our main focus for the future is just trying to meet the customer where they want to be met, which really just starts from one of our core values of respect, you know, respect the customer and what they want. Great. We're going to meet you where they want to, where, where they'd like to be met.
1: Not like that. Well, you you kind of read my mind there because I was getting ready to ask a question about these weird and crazy times that we've been in for COVID for the last you know year plus now. And mm-hmm. uh, being in Florida, uh, having the number of employees you do, having the number of stores you do, um, how how were you able to kind of cope with that once everything just kind of started shutting down and essentially the partying stopped?
0: You know, pretty I. Having, being able to answer that question in 2021 is a lot easier than back in March when we were having our first meetings in 2020 right. of what, what is this and what are we going to do about it? But looking back, the experience, it was pretty easy, honestly, because we were, we we're always going to act within the best interest of our employees, our team members. And we, we treat our team members like family. So, you know, we were one of the first businesses that um, cut our store hours so that, you know, people can go home and we can clean the store and um, give give more time uh, to our team members to do their jobs without having to meet the demands of the guests. So we cut store hours, which when you're trying to make money, that doesn't make sense. But why did we do it? Because we don't have to answer to Wall Street. and We're going to do what's best for our team members. You know, we had... We had PPE on our people before I knew what that acronym even meant. Um, we had, we had the shields up in front of our cast registers before any other retailer knew what a shield was. Um, you know, we, we made, we made pretty drastic changes, but it was easy because, you know, our mission statement, um, says that we make everyday celebrations better for our team members and guests. And it says team members first. Mm. So all you got, all you got to do is look at the mission statement. All right. We need to make everything better for our team members. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We've got this weird viral pandemic. We're not going to act like we know exactly what's going to happen and we're the know-it-alls and here's how it's going to work. No, we're we're okay with change. We're going to pivot, but we're always going to keep our team members first. So it it it's just looking back, um, I see how easy some of those decisions that we came to as an executive team were to make because of that simple um, idea that, you know, you put your team members first and you look out for what's best for them.
1: Mm, no, and I love that. And, and uh, you know, I had a guest back on episode 93, a uh, uh, fine Scottish fellow, Robertson Hunter Stewart. Uh, and that was his exact premise is is what can leadership achieve when they focus on employee service first and let the employees focus on customer service and it sounds like you kind of answered that question a little bit there with what you can achieve, right?
0: Yeah, it's really just the givers' mentality that um, if you look to give first before you receive, it's usually going to end up in, in a better place for you. And so we're we're looking to give our team members whatever whatever we can, and then in 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 uh, what what they're going to do in response. Is give back to us. You know, it's a give give relationship. that's not a give and take. A give and take relationship long term is not going to work out. Uh, the best relationships are a give and a give, and that's that's what we are. We're a we're a givers company. That then the employees give back.
1: Mm. Well, now let me ask because you know you're the VP of of human resources there. So, uh, and uh, apologies if I'm putting you on the spot here, and you don't necessarily have these numbers handy. Um, but, you know, there's all these statistics floating around about employee disengagement, you know, being above 70% and out of that 70%, something like 20% of them are are actively disengaged, meaning that they're uh, either looking for other jobs on the clock or they're legitimately just doing things to not be productive. Um, given that that giver's mentality that you talk about there, you know, what, what do your numbers look like? Like how, how happy are your employees with that mindset?
0: Sure. Um, I mean I'm not going to say that, that we're just this, we're the perfect company and everybody's happening. No, we're not perfect, and we've got our whole own set of problems. Um, but again, we don't even look at them as problems. We look at everything as an opportunity to, to improve. You know it's, a, it's kind of the Jocko-willink mentality. Oh, the, the world's on fire. Good. You have an opportunity to fix it. And you know, it's it's I I I love that 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 simple message, just saying good to everything, because you have a really cool opportunity to fix it. So you know, our our team members, I can confidently tell you that we're going to be above or below or whichever the more positive. You know, we're we're going to have a more engaged team. We're going to have a happier team. Are we 100% perfect? Absolutely not. But our turnover. Especially at our corporate office and at our, our higher level ranks, like the store managers, we have got 125 store managers. Hell, I could tell you most of their first and last names and their kids' names mm. because they don't because they don't change that much. Right. And and most of the change we're doing um, yeah. the the uh, the involuntary moves from our team members are very low um, at the. I mean, at standard retail, you know, it's just uh, you're you're going to have turnover uh, when you when you hire at, at lower wages for hourly work in retail stores. That just happens. Um, but at at our higher level positions, our turnover is minimal. And even at a lot of the lower level positions, it's it's lower than than the industry average because we have a really cool job. You get to interact with people. You know, selling a celebration in a bottle almost on a daily basis. And, and people enjoy that. And our stores are really pretty and we have clean bathrooms because our team members use them. And we demand that things stay clean because that's how we want to treat our team members. So, you know, uh, to, to just directly answer your question, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have exact statistics, but I can tell you that most people that work for us are pretty happy with what they're doing. And they're working for us because they like the environment, um, that, that we have the, you know, the small family owned. I mean, we're not small. We're a pretty big family owned business. Um, but they, they, they like it. And if, and if somebody doesn't like it, we don't take it personally. It's all good. We understand that our culture is very unique and we're not trying to get everybody to love our culture. It's kind of like that Zappos mentality. Not everybody. Is going to work out who works for Zappos because they're, they're looking for a very uh, particular individual who will thrive in their culture. We're the same way. We understand our culture is not built for everybody. Um, if you're a cutthroat environment, you love competition and you, you know, trash the competition because you're, you just, you're really good at that. You're not going to work out well at ABC. We have a very much team focused environment where the individual is not going to do great. Um. So we're we are okay with who we are, and we accept it. Um. And and I think most of our team members that work for us are okay with that too.
1: Yeah. Oh, and that is so powerful. And and first of all, bonus points for invoking Jocko. Um. So you know that's very much a, a military mentality. You know him being a U.S. Navy Seal. For anybody who hasn't heard of Jocko Willing, uh, you know, but his Marines, that was our mentality, and it. Uh, you, you always kind of disgruntles my wife a little bit because that's my thing, right? She'd be like, the house is on fire. I'm like, good, we got insurance, we get a new house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, what am I gonna do about it now, right? Except look forward and how do we fix it? And, and so I love the fact that y'all have that mentality, but what you said there, and I think, oh man, I hope everybody listening right now who is an entrepreneur, who's in this type of position, heard what Charlie just said about knowing who you are and being comfortable with it. Because, you know, you mentioned Zappos, and I agree. But to me, what you just described was a a little bit more Chick-fil-A. You know, they are who they are. They're not going to be open on Sundays, not because there's a law against selling chicken on Sundays, like some states in the South have against alcohol on Sundays. They just, that's who they are. And, you know, if you come on board and you fit in, fantastic. You're going to have a great experience. If you don't, hey, how can we help you succeed wherever you're going next? Because no hard feelings this is us you're not a fit and so to hear you kind of applying that in in your industry is fantastic because yeah you you it's better right because people know exactly what to expect every day when they come to work right
0: yeah don't don't apologize for for who you are Uh, I'd rather embrace it I mean and and unless you're just like not a good company or a good person yeah then you should probably look in the mirror and change however I'm going to assume that we've moved past that but like I just be be accepting and passionate and uh, about who you are and that's that that's how we are at ABC we accept that we know our culture we know we're not perfect but we know what we're going to strive to do and treat people the way that 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 really they'd like to be treated and we'd like to have that culture and we're just we're relentless about it we're relentless in that pursuit which is why as a you know for-profit business we're closed on easter sunday thanksgiving day and christmas day there you go. if 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 we if we were open those three days the millions of dollars that we would do in sales would would make any wall street executive go you're open those days because why what's important money well, what's important for us? Our team members being with their families on three very important holidays. So a lot of our competition is open, and they they'll go to our stores on those days and put signs on the building and say ABC's closed. Come to XYZ Liquors, and we just we just laugh at it um, because we don't we don't want the business that day. We want people. To, we want our team members to be with their families, and that's who we are. And we're not really going to apologize for that.
1: And, and I would imagine you have the same probably results as Chick Fil A does. Is you. When you compare to those smaller liquor stores, you probably attract a higher quality uh, employee. I would imagine, right?
0: Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And again, folks, listen, entrepreneurs, whatever stage you are at in your business, this is this is a critical piece of the conversation here, because that's what you want. You want to be like like your reputation, your uh, your standards, your your level of excellence is something that's going to sell itself. It's going to make. Better people want to be a part of your organization, which in turn is going to make your organization better in and of itself, and almost your recruitment and retention takes care of itself, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, something that we we actually try to do in our interviews with people we we try to convince them to not take the job, mm-hmm. and and you know just tell them you know, here's what you're signing up for. Here's our company. If you're cool with that, we can proceed with the interview. If not, no hard feelings. You know, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Um, so yeah, it's a, I've said that a couple of times and people are like, wait, what? You, you try to not hire people? I'm like, "No, no, no, I didn't say that. I said, we're, we're trying to find the right people. We have our culture. We have everything that, that we do and we know what doesn't work. So we're trying to just weed that person out, like no hard feelings. We're not going to waste your time, so don't don't waste ours, which kind of starts with that, that word respect again. We're going to respect a total stranger in an interview and just tell them, like, maybe you're not a good fit for this job. Or maybe they come to that conclusion, but after we tell them the expectations of the job, um, you know, and that's just being respectful of who you're interviewing. Oh
1: yeah, no, I love it, and that's why that resonates with me. Uh, Simon Sinek put it brilliantly in one of his uh, his talks, and I never thought about it this way. Even being a Marine, I never thought about it this way. But he said the Marines are brilliant at advertising. He said, "Think about it. If you really look at the message they're sending, what they're saying is, we're mean, we're tough. It's not going to be easy. Chances are really good that you're not going to make it through boot camp and become a Marine in the first place." But just in case you think you could, here's how you get a hold of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah he he's 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 a he's a mastermind, and that that makes me think of um, I think it's in his book Start with Why, or it's in one of the books where he talks about the crew that went down to Antarctica on this mission that like everybody's died so far, and the the guy, the captain, put out the ad in the newspaper that's like. Hey, dangerous mission, you're probably going to die. There's no pay, and it's going to be really cold. If you're interested, call me. And guess what? The 17 people that showed up, they all survived and succeeded. Like, of course they did. Right, so.
1: exactly, exactly. Well, Charlie, look, this has been a fantastic last 45 minutes, and and I really appreciate the conversation we had, and, and I love everything that you've had to say so far, but uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you, is there anything – that we didn't get a chance to cover that you really want to leave listeners with?
0: Just knowing that your audience is an entrepreneurial, you know, focused, disciplined group. uh, I think that the last uh, piece of advice that I would give is um, just to invest in yourself physically. So, you know, what that means in two words, work out you know, fo- like uh, exercise your body. It, it, it just, it helps in every facet of life. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big CrossFit guy. Um, so that's, that's my, you know, poison of choice that I actually love cause I'm crazy, but you know, just, just do something, move your body, deadlift, go, go, go to the gym, do something. It, it'll, it, it helps fix every other aspect of life.
1: Oh no, I, I love that. And I agree. And, You know, that was one of the hardest things for me during the pandemic was all the gyms shutting down and no workout equipment being available. Uh, So you had to adapt and overcome and get real creative. But no, I love that. And on that note, uh, you know, we just briefly talked about it, but real quick, uh, tell us like a little bit more about this uh, protein collagen supplement that CB supplement sells.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I, that's probably another reason why I started that business cuz I'm just a secret not so secret health nut. Um but yeah, collagen, you know, the the 32nd version of what it is, it's the most abundant protein in your body. Um you know, if you if you look at your arm right now, you see your bicep, your tricep, and your forearm muscles, what is holding all of those muscles together? And the answer is collagen. Collagen in the form of your bones, your tendons, ligaments, connective tissue. The, the veins that are delivering blood and the arteries throughout that, you know, arm, everything you're looking at is collagen. Um, and uh, our bodies actually manufacture it from the food that we eat, which our diets as a society are pretty poor in general. So because, um, you know, we're the supplement company at CB Supplements. I'm going to tell you, don't buy our product, you know, just take collagen from food. But it's a little more difficult than that. You gotta like, like organ meats and drink a ton of bone broth. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. So, all right, we've got this product if you're not going to do it. Um, so that's, that's what our product is. It, it helps people, um, recover from workouts. It helps your joints. It helps you with previous injuries. Of course, it helps with your hair, skin and nail growth because what do you think all that stuff's made of? But also, most of your internal organs are made of uh, different types of collagen as well, including your small intestine, which is pretty important um, to to a lot of different functions. Um, so, you know, I could talk about this for a long time, but, you know, for the sake of, of, uh, of, of time, I'll stop there and um, just, just say check out our website, cbsupplements.com. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to. Talk to anybody if they have further questions, just reach out to me.
1: Outstanding. I'll have that in the show notes. And um, if, if anybody, you know, is is wanting to kind of chat with you, have their own family run business or maybe they're even in the private sector and they're wanting to try to capitalize on some of the success that you all have had, anyone to reach out to you and, and maybe uh, ask some questions or learn a little bit more. How can they reach out uh, to you for that piece?
0: Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best um uh just you know search for me on linkedin uh, i'm pretty active on that um i have instagram and twitter it's ce bales and um i also I, I have a personal website that i'm trying to develop but you know with all the, the that whole time thing and everything going on um it is just my name charliebales.com. somebody could go to that and just reach out to me there but i mean i'm available i'm happy to talk to anybody i've I, as you can tell with this episode like i'm I'm a fast talking, just passionate guy. I, I love talking to, to people, um, in general, especially people that like want to get into the weeds and have that fun conversation. I, I'd love to hear from anybody. So I just, I appreciate, uh, this opportunity to come on your show and, you know, talk about some of the things that I'm passionate about.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. And it showed and, and it all showed through, Look, your 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 story, your family story, the things that you're doing uh with both ABC Fine Wine and Spirits and uh, CB Supplements. Man, it's it's just great stuff. Uh keep it up. Here's to, you know, 85 more years uh of ABC and good I'll go ahead and say 85 years of CB Supplements as well. Uh it's nice having that foundation and and knowing that there are folks out there like you who are taking care of their employees whether they're family members or not and uh, doing all the right things and really uh, being successful and crushing it. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story and sharing your family story.
0: Thanks, Earl. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. No, and listeners, thank you for spending the last 45, 50 minutes with Charlie and, and uh, myself here as we, we talked about these things. I hope you took a lot of great value out of it and realized that it doesn't matter what size your organization is right now. I mean, look at this. Uh, This is what you could be if you put forth the time, effort, and uh, the foundational work uh, behind it. So uh, thank you for listening. You know, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, burden.command at gmail.com. Just send them that way. And I really appreciate y'all continuing to take your responsibility uh, to rate, review, subscribe, share the show. So uh, folks like Charlie can have their messages spread further and reach more people and make more of an impact. I really appreciate y'all for doing that. And with that, I look forward to speaking with y'all again in the next episode.
0: Electric, Electric
1: Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert.
0: And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound.
1: Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks.
0: Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.
1: Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of US politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest an Electric Cast production. Electric House.